turn with me, if you would, this morning for a short time, as the Lord may enable us to first uh, uh, Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 1. Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 1, and if we can read at verse 1 and 2. Verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, and so on. We wish to look this morning as the Lord will enable us at the uh, salutation that the Apostle Paul brings to the Philippians as he opens up this uh, epistle, this letter to the church of Philippi. The letter itself is a, a wonderful letter. It's almost one person calls it a Paul's love letter to the church. Because when he writes to the church at Philippi, you can see the love that he has for the people at Philippi, and you can see the love that the, the church at Philippi have for the apostle Paul. They sent him a gift by the hands of uh, Epaphroditus. So they love Paul. And Paul, when he writes this letter, it's almost as though he's, it's a love letter uh, to them. And as we begin to look at this, the, just the very first two verses, what we can learn from the very, these two verses alone of Paul's epistle, especially for us as individuals, we can, we can learn a lot from Paul in his opening, these opening two verses. As a congregation, you will learn a lot from these opening two verses, and particularly a congregation that is vacant and looking for a minister to call. And at the moment, you haven't got a minister, but you can learn a lot and a lot of encouragement simply from these first two verses that the Apostle Paul sets before us. What do we learn then, and what is there that you can take encouragement from? Well, the very fact that Paul is writing to Philippi at all is reason for encouragement. Because in Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, you see the hand of God. You see that the church is not mine or yours. The church is the church of God. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see that even by the very way in which Paul is brought to Philippi in the first instance. Paul doesn't arrive in Philippi, and he's not writing a letter here to the church at Philippi as a mere accident in history, a chance happening, or something that, that, that happens uh, accidentally, not at all. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi because he was brought to the church at Philippi, and the way he's brought to the church at Philippi ought to give you every bit of encouragement. When Paul begins his missionary journeys, he begins in Antioch. And if you think of Antioch over here on, uh, on the, the, the west side of Syria, Antioch, there are two Antiochs, so you need to be careful. There are two Antiochs in Scripture. And the first Antioch is the one in Syria. And Paul's journeys all, be, all begin from Antioch. In fact, the, the church began really in Jerusalem. But there was persecution in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, go and preach the gospel to every creature beginning at Jerusalem, but it wasn't to stay there. The center of Christianity had shifted from Jerusalem down to Antioch in Syria. And there, Paul and Barnabas, or Saul as he was and Barnabas, are, are working. When they decide 
that they would go on their first missionary journey. And they come down to Seleucia on the sea and sail over to Salamis in, in, in Cyprus. And they go down the, the south side of Cyprus. If you know Cyprus Island, it goes down the, the south, south side of Cyprus and comes to, 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 to Paphos, where, remember, Sergius Paulus, the deputy, is, is, is uh, converted. What a wonderful encouragement it must have been to the Apostle Paul to see Sergio Paulus, the deputy, on Cyprus being converted. The Lord, even when a congregation is vacant, the Lord will still give you encouragements. Even as individuals, when things are difficult, the Lord comes and gives you these encouragement. And he gave Paul or Saul that encouragement as he left Cyprus and came to Perga, onto Turkey. And from there, he goes up to Antioch. This is the second Antioch, Antioch in Pisidia. He goes up there and he preaches in the synagogue. And then he goes from there to Iconium, to Lystra, to Derby, and then makes his way back round again, comes down to Perga. He doesn't go to Cyprus, but comes back to Antioch. That's the first missionary journey. And it's a very localized missionary journey in many respects. It's a long missionary journey, but it's very localized in terms that it's just Cyprus, round Turkey, and back again. But you begin to see now how wonderful the, the providence of the Lord is. Because when he starts his second missionary journey, the missionary journey in which he's going to come to Philippi, himself and Barnabas have a falling out over whether they would take Mark. Mark had left them before, after they left Cyprus, John Mark had left them. And it was Paul's opinion that he shouldn't go. So they have a separation. Had that not happened, perhaps Paul would have gone on to Cyprus once again and gone the same route again. But instead of that, Barnabas and John Mark go to Cyprus. And Paul, with Silas, comes up to Tarsus, comes to Derby, Lystrid, and goes the same, but comes, comes down into, into, uh, uh, into Antioch, Pisidia again. And from there, he would have, he comes down and through Galatia, and he would have gone into Asia but he was not suffered to go into Asia and, and to, to go up into Asia. And indeed, he was stopped from even preaching the Holy Spirit. For, he was forbidden to even preach the gospel when he was there and in, in Asia. And instead, he turns and comes down to Troas. My friend, what a wonderful way God is working now, isn't he? Because when he's down in Troas, he gets the Macedonian call. He's to go not into Asia, but he's now to go over. And he comes to Neapolis, and then he comes to Philippi, the first major city that Paul hits when he, when he comes into Europe. Let's stop there and think about that for a moment. Paul would have gone to Asia. Paul would have gone up into Bithynia, but he stopped because the Lord has other plans. The Lord has plans that he would go into Europe and that the gospel would be taken into Europe. My friend, isn't it not the case that when it comes to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not what you think, it's not what I think. It's the Lord himself that directs all these things. It's the Lord that directs these things. Paul comes to a city which is called Philippi, possibly one of the last places you would imagine that would be blessed. It's a Roman colony, Brutus, Octavius, Cassius and Antony, they all had their civil wars. One of the greatest civil wars among these 
great Roman generals took place on the plains of, of Philippi. That was all about who would they serve? Which of these men, which, who is it that they would serve? And Paul comes into Philippi and he brings the gospel and he says you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes to Philippi, who, does, who is the very first one that's converted is Lydia. He would have gone up into Asia. Here's a, a woman from over that very region. He goes down into a place where prayer was wont to be made, down by the riverside. Again, it's not a great cathedral. It's not a great building. It's not some place that you would catch. It's down by the riverside. And it's a woman down by the riverside, possibly the last person you would ever imagine that would be blessed by the Lord as the gospel comes into Europe. But that is exactly what happens. You see, God is continually, continually telling us today, it's not your way. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. It's the Lord that was going to direct Paul to, to Philippi. It was the Lord that was going to bring him to this place. And my friend, from there, it, it, the, the gospel went forth out throughout Europe. Do you know what was in the eyes of, of the, the, the divine? Scotland. Stornoway. God's people in these islands. That's what's before God's mind. And it wasn't just when Paul began to, to make his journeys that, that this began. This begins, my friend, way back in the covenant of redemption before the foundation of the world. In the covenant that God has made with his son, Jesus Christ. In that covenant, you find Philippi. You find Lydia. You find the Philippian jailer. My friend, you find all the Gentiles that were to be brought in. They remember how 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 the, the, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And then that covenant that is made with his son starts to unfold when there is a wonderful promise that is given to Abraham. In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In thy seed shall Philippi be blessed. In thy seed shall, the, that shall Rome be blessed. In thy seed shall Stornoway, Lewis, Skye, shall Scotland be blessed. In thy seed shall the United Kingdom be blessed. My friend, how blessed the United Kingdom has been with the gospel. And that's not man's doing. That's God's doing. You see, when, when Paul comes to Philippi, his idea would have gone to Asia. But God says, you'll go to Philippi. And he brings Paul into Philippi where there's a woman down by the riverside, where there's a Philippian jailer, one of the last men you would ever think that would be blessed. You see, nothing falls out randomly, my friend. Don't ever think that what happens to a congregation, what happens to a denomination is all just pure chance, my friend, everything. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the hand of the Lord Jesus himself. He's the head of the church. It is all in his hands. And then you come into this city, Philippi, named after Philip II, the father of, uh, the, the father of Alexander uh, the Great, a Roman colony, perhaps one of the last places you would imagine that the Lord would bless. You look at some of the, 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 the people you can think of in your own mind, 
even here today, and you think to yourself, they're beyond God's reach. They're beyond uh, salvation. They're so bad today that they could they would never be saved. My friend, if the Lord can save a Philippian jailer, then my friend, he can save sinners today. His hand, his arm is not shortened that it cannot save. And not one whom the Father has given to the Son will ever be lost. Never once. Not one. All whom the Father has given to the Son, not one of them will ever be lost. There will be no none whom the Father has given to the Son in this island, in this town, in this country. Not one whom the Father has given to the Son will ever be lost. What a wonderful encouragement that is to us today. No wonder the gates of hell will never prevail against God's church. Because God's church is in the hands, not even of the Apostle Paul. It's in the hands of God himself. He directs everything. And how Paul is willing even to submit to God's dealings with him. How readily Paul is to deal, to submit to God's dealings with him. When he would go to Asia, when he would go and preach and go over into Bithynia, and the, and he's, he, the Holy Spirit closes his mouth and does not permit him to go how ready Paul is to accept God's dealings. My friend, are we so ready today to accept God's providence and God's dealings with us? How we ought to submit to everything, all of God's dealings with you as a, as a congregation, as homes and families, as individuals. My friend, thank the Lord today that your providence and uh, is in the hands of Almighty God. It's not in the hands of green issues. It's not in the hands of politicians who will save the world. Providence is in the hands of God. And if you're one of God's people, then think of this. Everything he does works together for your good. Everything he did with the Apostle Paul, he worked together for the good of his church. He would bring the gospel over into Macedonia and to, to Philippi. Well, who is he bringing? He's bringing the Apostle Paul, Paul and Timotheus. Paul is writing this from Rome. And perhaps, he, what, how wonderful as well, the Lord prepares his servants to send them out into the work that they have to do. Paul the Apostle. Imagine Paul the Apostle. What a wonderful man Paul the Apostle is. What better man could you have coming over to Philippi than the Apostle Paul? Paul, when the Lord Jesus was in this world, he had fishermen as his, as those who were with him. They were fishermen, and they would desert him. The Lord would do this work on his own. But when the Lord would send a, an apostle out to the, to the Gentiles, my friend, who could you have better than than, than Saul, or Paul as he was. He was a man who was raised up, an Israelite, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin, his name Saul, probably after King Saul, a Benjamite as well. Here is a man who is zealous for the Jewish religion. His name is Saul. He's called Saul because he's a Jew. That's the name you would give to a Jew. Paul is the Greek name. He probably doesn't change his name. 
he's probably always called Paul and Saul, but before he's using the name Saul because he's a Jew and he's proud of being a Jew. But think of how the Lord blesses this man. There he is at the, the death of Stephen. And he's seeing the clothes and the very clothes of Stephen being laid at his feet. Ah, my friend, the Lord is mysterious in his ways. And how does this man do when the Lord, when he sees Stephen, he becomes more zealous against Christianity. That is until he's brought to the, the road to Damascus. And this zealous Jew, this young zealot, is brought to his knees by Jesus Christ. That's wonderful, isn't it? The voice of Jesus Christ bringing Saul to his knees. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The Christian, when he, the, 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 the sinner, when the sinner is dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ, he may not know who the Lord Jesus Christ is, but the Lord knows who he is as he begins to deal with the sinner and he begins to draw you. He knows you, even though you don't know him. That is until he brings you to your knees. And there's no comfort in what Jesus says to him there. He comes away and for three days, there he is, these three days until the scales fall from off his eyes. And then he is told that the Lord has a great work for him to do. My friend, what a wonderful man. God is preparing to go out and preach the gospel. Later on, as we'll see, he's, he's going to address some of the problems. And he, what better man to address the problems that the early church had? What better man had you to go out and preach the gospel than a man who had experienced it himself? Than a man who had experienced what it was to be brought down into the gutter? And to be raised up then by the Lord Jesus and to have such a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. God is preparing. Jesus Christ is preparing the Apostle Saul. He's preparing Saul to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. My friend, what are you praying for as a congregation? As a congregation that is, that is vacant? Are you praying that the Lord is preparing a man for you? who has tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious, that will come and preach the gospel to you? Are you praying that even today that the Lord is raising, will raise up someone? You may not know who it is. Lydia had never heard the name, had never heard of Saul before, or Paul. The Philippian jailer never knew, but the Lord Jesus knew. What a wonderful preparation the apostle had to come and to preach. What a bet what better man could you have than someone himself, who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin, an Israelite, someone who even hated Christians, but now preached the very gospel that he spoke against. And who was who's who's writing here? See, see how humble. Paul is. Paul writes this epistle. It's Paul that's writing. It's Paul's epistle to the Philippians. But he adds the name of young Timothy. And isn't that wonderful? How humble Paul is. 
He's the great apostle. He writes that when he writes to, to Philemon about Onesimus. He says, I am Paul the aged. And because of my standing, I could command you to do this, but I don't do that. I ask you to do it and to receive Onesimus back out of love. Here is Paul the apostle, the aged, and yet what humility he exercises when he writes, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. He adds the name of this young Timothy. Timothy had joined Paul in his second missionary journey. As, as Paul leaves Syria, Antioch in Syria, he makes his way up to Tarsus, through Tarsus, and he comes to Derbe and Lystra. And it's when he's there that he meets this young man, Timothy. What do we see, we read about him, about, uh, about this? Well, his mother is Eunice, and his mother, his grandmother is Lois, and they are believing Jews, they are believers. And his father's a Greek. And here's a young man that's now going to, uh, uh, going to go with the Apostle Paul. What a great encouragement that is as well, isn't it? Paul is the great experienced man. He's already been on one missionary journey with Barnabas. He's now going to go over to Europe. And here's a young man that's going to go with him. He sees a man that's, that, that's, that's very highly spoken of. And now this man is going to join with him. My friend, what a, an encouragement that is to young people in the congregation in here today. We often think that, and I remember when I grew, I grew up in the free church. I was born and brought up in the free church. And as I grew up in the free church, the gospel and everything was for the older people. It was for the elders. And it was for my parents, my grandparents. It was for the older people. My friend Timothy was a young man. And the apostle Paul took him with him. And now when he's in prison, Timothy is with him and he's going to write back and he adds his own. He says, Tim, Paul and Timothy, because he wants to encourage Timothy, a young man here, because he knows that Timothy has the same love for the congregation and Philippi as he has. My friend, you might be a young person in here today. You might be still in school. But my friend, the Lord has something to say to you today. Doesn't matter how old you are. The Lord has something to say to you. If you're in school, you may be in primary school. You're not going to be doing what Paul or Timothy does. You're not going to be in the pulpit. But my friend, the young people in here today, doesn't matter from, from that height of us. The Lord has something to say to you, even today, to young people. Paul, when he when Timothy came with him, he took him, and Paul and Silas and Timothy went to Philippi. And now Timothy is with him, and he adds his own name. They're united together. So that's Paul and Timothy writing to the church at Philippi. But why is he going to write at this point in time? Why is he writing? What's the occasion? Well, uh, Epaphroditus has come down. The minister there has come down from Philippi. And he's told, no doubt, Paul, all that's going on in Philippi at the church is good. Paul has an interest. He wants to know what's going on in this church. And Epaphroditus comes down, and Paul is now writing back. And what does he say to him? He thanks them for the gift that they've sent him. They thank him for the gift that they have sent him. He's an apostle. And are they, are they writing and giving a gift to the apostle Paul just because because of the strength of Paul's 
personal character? Are they writing to Paul and are sending a gift to Paul because Paul has some charismatic, you know, uh, personality? Not at all. They are respecting him and loving him because he is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's an apostle. Now, there's nobody here that's an apostle. But Paul speaks about the preacher of the gospel. And he tells the congregations of God's people how they are to respect God's ministers. They are to esteem the ministers very highly for their work's sake. My friend, do you esteem the minister of the gospel very highly? Not because he's better than anybody else. He may have many faults. But to esteem the minister very highly for his work's sake. Blessed are they that bring the gospel of peace. Who bring you the who bring uh, the message of peace and reconciliation. Blessed are they. Blessed. He that labors in word and doctrine is worthy of double honor. My friend, that church at Philippi, how they honored the apostle. And he thanks them for the gift. And he says, I'll send Timothy. I would love, he says, to come back and visit with you. But I'll send Timothy just now. I'll send Timothy just now. But he, he warns them as well about false teaching. And there are two things in the epistle that Paul is going to write to them about. One is the, a warning against the Judaizers. The Judaizers who would labor them and burden them with all manner of burdens. You cannot be a Christian unless you do one, two, three. He warns them against the Judaizers that wanted to go back to all the, to the Old Testament. And secondly, he warns them against antinomians, about those who think it doesn't matter how you live, you can live as you please. He addresses both these things. And my friend, as you, as a congregation without a pastor, always be wary about thinking that you can be saved if you do X, Y, and Z. And also watch out and be, beware lest you think that as a Christian, you can live as you please. My friend, you can't. He warns them. And then he, he, he gives them many admonitions. How Paul is, loves to speak to these Christians. Now, what is it that he really wants for them? My friend, this is what every true minister of the gospel wants for his own congregation. I want for my congregation in Edinburgh. And I'm sure that someday when the Lord and his mercy will give you a minister, he, that minister will seek the same thing for you. It's the same thing as what Paul and Timothy want for Philip from the church of Philip. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Congregation can have many things. Congregation can have many different people in it, different aspects to it. But my friend, is this not what you desire for the congregation? Is it not what your office bearers here? But look what he says here. I preach to all the saints in Christ Jesus. He's preaching to all the saints. Now, the saints there 
are not saints that are canonized by a pope. They're not saints that because they've done some mighty works. They're not saints because they've done miracles. Paul is speaking to the saints in Christ Jesus. I've had every believer. Everyone who is in Christ Jesus is a saint, separated unto Jesus Christ. Separated to Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. My friend, the Lord speaks to all the saints that are in the Stornoway congregation who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? You know what it is today to be in Christ, to be separated unto him. Do you know what it is to be truly one of God's people? And with the bishops and deacons, the office bearers are included here. Here, there is a special, the elders and the deacons, the elders and the deacons that were there at Philippi, they were to take as well particular note of what is going to be said. What does he want for the saints and for the office bearers at Philippi? Well, he tells us, grace and peace from God the Father and God the Son. What does he mean by grace be unto you? Grace itself can mean, <coughs> can mean well, at least two things. And which of the two is Paul referring to? I believe Paul is referring to both of them. Paul, Paul is referring to the grace of the gospel. In other words, he's seeking the blessings of the gospel to be upon them. And the blessings of the gospel are twofold so far as grace is concerned. Grace towards them. In other words, that God would favor them with grace. Unmerited favor. That he would bless them, not because of anything that they had given him a gift, but that they would know God's unmerited favor and that God would be gracious to them. My friend, is that not what we want today? The grace that is to be found in God alone. That he would show favor to you as a congregation, to you as individuals, to you as family, to me, to my family, to my congregation to our denomination, that God would favor us. Not because we deserve it. Not because we are better than anybody else. Philippi wasn't better than anybody else. But out of his mere love and grace, he would favor them. And my friend, if you're going to get the favor of God the Father, then that must be by the grace and favor of Jesus Christ the Son. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot get the unmerited favor from God the Father, save you get the unmerited grace and favor of God the Son. And my friend, if you have the grace and favor of Jesus Christ, then you have the grace and favor of God himself. God's rich blessing, mercy, and love to hell-deserving sinners. Isn't that the wonder of the gospel, isn't it? 
It's the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is only in the gospel that, that we have that grace, that, that favor. It is only through Jesus Christ and his finished work that we have such, such grace, that we have his favor. Paul wants them to know that grace, his favor. But grace is more than that. It's not just grace towards us. It's grace in us, isn't it? Grace also means not just grace, not just God's unmerited favor towards them, but God's rich grace in them. Paul wants the church at Philippi to know the grace of God in them. You read on when he says, when he speaks about them that, uh, uh, how he wants them to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. My friend, God's grace, his faith. Remember how Paul writes to the Corinthians' faith, that they would have rich faith in Jesus Christ. Hope, that their hope would be stirred up, hope even in the midst of their persecution. They would have hope, the grace of hope and love. The greatest of which is love. To love the Lord their God. To love the Lord Jesus Christ. To love one another as brethren in the Lord. Paul is seeking then that they would have God's rich unmerited favor. And he also surely prays that they would have the rich grace of God in their heart. Faith, hope, and charity. This is the greatest of these, is charity. Paul is praying this for. My friend, do you pray that for yourself? Do you pay, pray it for the congregation? Do you pray for my congregation? As we pray for you as a congregation, we often pray for the congregations that are vacant, including the one here. And what do we pray? That God would raise up a man the way the Lord raised up Paul to come to Philippi. One that was truly qualified. And when he came, he prayed that, 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 that the grace of God the Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ would be there. But not only grace, but peace. Again, that word peace is not, I don't think he's restricting it here. He doesn't restrict grace to unmerited favor or anything like that. It's the grace towards them, the grace in them. So it is with peace. That he wants the peace that the gospel brings. First and foremost, peace with God himself. And how is that? From God the Father through Jesus Christ the Lord. My friend, you can't have peace with God unless you have it through faith in Jesus Christ. He is our peace. He is the one who has made peace with God. Do you know peace with God, my friend? Are you at war? And is your war with God? Is God your enemy? And you are yet rebelling against him? Or do you know what it is to have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ? Peace with God through Jesus Christ. He's surely not just embracing peace with God and through Jesus Christ, but peace one with another. 
that God's people would manifest the peace that there is and that unity that there is in the Godhead itself. That you would manifest the peace of God among you and that that would be seen. My friend, is that what you pray for? That God would so richly bless your congregation and my congregation and our denomination and God's people that they would know the peace of God. Peace that passeth understanding. Peace with God and peace with God's people. You're able to say with Ruth of old, these are my people. They're mine. I won't stay down in Moab. I will come with you. Where you die, I will die. Where you are, that's where I will be, because your people are my people. Where you are, I will be. And you love to come together in God's house, together with God's people, because you're one with one another. Oh, there are differences. Oh, there are differences. Of course there are differences. Because we're all different. But my friend, to know the peace of God, to know what it is to be brethren together in the Lord. My friend, that's what Paul is praying for the church at Philippi. He says, I'll send, I'll send Timothy up uh, and he will come to you. I would love to come to you, he says. And sometime, hopefully, he says, I may come there in God's providence. <clears throat> but until then, my prayer is for you. You have grace. And you have peace. And you find it only in God the Father and in God the Son. Do we know the peace that comes through Jesus Christ ourselves personally? Do we know what it is to have the grace of God in our heart? Faith, hope, charity, love. Do you know what it is? Do you lament so often how, how you fail in all these things? And you need to trust and rest upon the grace of God alone, the unmerited favor that he shows to his people. But nevertheless, you have faith. So often maybe small faith, but it's there. And you have hope. And you have love. Well then, the church is in the hands of God. He brought Saul to Philippi. He had his people in Philippi. He had a Lydia. He had a Philippian jailer. And he ultimately had a congregation. Who knows? But there are yet those in this community whom the Lord has. And that the congregation here may be used in his divine will to reach out and to bring that sinner into his kingdom. And my friend, think of it. Even one sinner. There is rejoicing in the company of the angels in heaven even over one sinner that will repent. How glorious if this congregation were to be the means in the hands of Almighty God of bringing one sinner 
into Christ's kingdom. But we do know that not one that the Father has given to the Son will ever be lost. The church is in his hands. Let us pray. Most gracious and ever blessed Lord, we thank thee for the goodness of thy grace. We thank thee for the peace of the gospel. We thank thee for the encouragement that we have that thy kingdom does not rest upon the mere efforts of man, but thou wilt use the apostle Paul, thou wilt use thy people, and thou wilt use them in the furtherance of thy kingdom. Lord, we pray that this congregation would be used in the furtherance of thy kingdom in this corner of thy vineyard. We pray that thou would draw in sinners into thy, thy kingdom. May it be that there would be many yet souls in this, this island to be saved for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that thou would open up the way whereby the gospel would go forth in these days and that thou would use thy people, even a word in season, that would bring a sinner to thyself. We thank thee for the confidence that we have that not one of thy uh, sheep shall ever be lost, but thou wilt use even thy people in the furtherance of thy cause. And may it be that thou, Lord, would bless all the labors here. We pray that thou would give us grace and peace and that thou would bless us with the gospel among ourselves, that we would know that thou art God. Bless us now, pardon us all our sins, for Jesus' sake. Amen.